It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers. And I'm Wes Honky. Hey, fellas. I'm refreshed and focused, and my body feels great coming off the bye week. Well, that's good to hear, Honk. Good to hear. Also <laughs> with Boomer. I'd just like to apologize to any of our listeners if the show seems a little choppy. We're going into our uh, ninth uh, recording overtime here, thanks to the new NCAA mandated podcasting rules, but we're doing our best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a a choppy, choppy way to actually produce a podcast. It's just that smooth. It doesn't feel natural. You know, it's not real podcasting. Uh, All right. uh, Also, the broadcast, Rob. Well, guys, I think that it's been evident that uh, I have not been my usual dual threat red cast slash bet cast self. So after a nice bye week, I'm finally back to 100 percent, much like Adrian Martinez. All right. All right, Rob, you had a uh, couple of uh, dead and company shows and um, he's, he's looking the part, looking the full California dude look, you know, looks good, Rob, on you. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it was a couple of good shows. I saw him at Red Rocks. I saw him at Fiddler's Green. And you could say that I am now spiritually aligned enough to get back into this football thing. <laughs> I can smell the weed through the Zoom. I mean, I, just looking at you, the, the Colorado was just coming right through to me. I'm in full I actually effect. take offense to that, Honky. I'm from Northern <laughs> California. All right. I know. I know, but yeah. you live in Colorado now. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> right. true. That's true. That's true. You and, live in and, northern Colorado now. And, and my weed drawer is right next to the microphone. So, <laughs> so the, the whole whole Redcast is a contact high right now with Rob. So we totally get it. <laughs> Let me just note to all Redcasters that marijuana is legal in the state of Colorado. And Rob uses it responsibly. That's and right. any feds listening, he does not transport it to us here. That's right. All <laughs> right. Well, um, back to Nebraska and Nebraska football. Uh, we did have a nice bye week there, Honky. Um, hopefully everyone got to watch a few other uh, football games on Saturday. It wasn't a, a great slate, but there were some interesting upsets and and other um, things to, to catch my eye, at least. Uh, what would you uh, do last Saturday? Well, I had a nice little weekend with the family uh, on a bye week. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law came down, and uh, the two of them, with Alex and Kathy and I, we did a Make It, Take It in uh, Lincoln, which is a little artsy place, a paint place where you can go and make some craft things. And then you can go into this room and like just throw paint around. You're covered up in these extra clothes that they give you, and you can just throw paint all over your painting that you put on the wall, but you can kind of get your other people that you're with, uh, you know, covered in paint too. So it's just kind of this bizarre thing to do. So that's uh, the, the quintessential honey. I haven't really been very good either the last eight Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So let's do something really family oriented and I'm going to be oh, a great yeah. husband today. Oh yeah. yeah. And th- I followed that up by going to the Rokeberry farm with them. Nice. And uh, I even ran into one of the assistant coaches who was with his family. I won't say who, because they have private lives, but uh, he was able to take his family to a Rokeberry farm that day too. And uh, a bye week is a nice moment to get away from it. It was nice to watch other teams uh, play games and lose and have their fan bases go crazy and not have it be ours at all. And, and uh, as I think Boomer mentioned at the beginning there, I did get a chance in between make it, take it and Rokeberry farm to watch all nine of the overtimes. And that is just a bizarre way to end a game. It's a terrible way, really. That that overtime is <laughs> awful. Right. And I tweeted this out during it. I, I think it might have been my only tweet of the day, but it was. I almost feel bad for Penn State and Illinois fans. Like that is gut wrenching. I didn't think about it until like the fifth or sixth overtime. But I'm just watching it as an observer, and I'm like, oh my god, this was hard for me to watch. I couldn't imagine actually having a stake in the game, and like every play is just. It had to be gut wrenching. Well, it's every game for us, Honky, so I think well, we yeah. probably attuned to it, but yeah. Boomer, uh, did you get a partake in that uh, nine over overtime fest? I did. I passed on the uh, make it, take it, and we'd gone to Roca Berry <laughs> Farms earlier in the year, so I, I had that you know, chalked off. So, no, I was able to watch that overtime, and uh, that whole game was just 
that was a Big Ten game. If if you want an archetypical Big Ten game, that's about it. You know, offensively challenged all the way around. Just the goofiest ending to it, with just the most sluggish offenses ever. And they still didn't go over. You think with nine overtimes, you could hit the over under on it, and they couldn't. And nope. uh, I would like to congratulate Illinois for uh, winning that game and uh, starting the debate of who the best three and five team in the country really is. So great! So that gave us something else to talk about this week. So thanks, Ryan. Right. You know, I normally don't pay attention to over unders, but last week with Rob gone, I was at least listening in on the betcast. And I think Dave, you were the one that mentioned the under of that game. Yes, which was at what, like forty-five or forty-six? So already yep. a pretty Sounds low right. under over under to begin with. And if someone tells you that that game is going to go into nine overtimes, and it still was under by eight points or whatever, yeah. that's just yeah. crazy. That rate, they would have had to go through like multiple more overtimes at two points a pop. I mean. Yep. <laughs> I wonder if that uh, changes, uh, you know, Vegas's perception of like how you actually like if you even take overtime into consideration ever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, you know, I did actually watch a little bit of uh, the Purdue game as well. Um, we'll get to Purdue here in a little bit, but uh, they did not actually look like the top twenty-five team that they are labeled as against Wisconsin, right, Hunk? Shocking, yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> who could have seen that coming? You know, there are some Husker fans a week ago that. We're throwing out the, I'll call it the excuse that Nebraska had played eight straight games and Minnesota was coming off of a bye week and, and all that. So I'll, I'll buy into it for a second. Absolutely. We were worn down and Minnesota was fresh. Well, if that's the case, Purdue right now is coming off back-to-back games against Wisconsin and Iowa, basically probably two of the most physical teams you're going to get in the, in the big 10, certainly in the West we're coming off of bye week. So, I mean, the expectation should be, with that exact same thinking in mind, I mean, we should come out and blow the doors off of these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, and we'll, we'll be at home, right? You know, so, I mean, mm-hmm. there should be a lot of reasons. You know, one way to kind of approach the last four games is trying to kind of evaluate success criteria, I guess, right? Obviously, wins and losses are what we want to see, and uh, it would be amazing if we somehow make it to a bowl. That would be quite a, the success. Uh, but beating Purdue would be uh, the right first step. But, you know, Honky, uh, our good friend uh, Derek Peterson, the Hell Varsity, had a really good article um, about trying to uh, figure out how to, you know, measure success these last four games outside of just wins and losses. And um, you, in fact, uh, responded to his, I believe it was a a tweet of his, I suppose. And um, we were uh, the first quote in his article, right? Yeah, it's big time. But uh, (laughs) we've never been in a quoted an article ever before, except for that one by the World Herald with uh, Henry Cordes that happened a few weeks ago. Right. But yeah, yeah, that that was one. We'll we'll Uh, take this one from Derek. Yeah, we love Dr. Petey for sure. You know, basically my response was because the question essentially was don't just answer that we need to win. You know, what would have to happen in the last four games for you to feel positive going into 2022? And my response just was points. You know, even if we lost all four games, and I don't know how this would happen, but we lose all four games, but we at least score 30 plus points. Okay. We need to start to transition these 400 plus yard games that we get and all these red zone drives into points. It's about points, points, points. I was looking at some of the bye week stats. Nebraska's number 12 nationally in total offense. For what it's worth, we're also number 44 in total defense. If I gave you those two, numbers at the beginning of the season you'd probably be saying that we're in that six and two seven and one kind of range but yet we're ranked 50th in scoring offense so number 12 in total offense number 50 in scoring offense that's partially because we're 106th in red zone offense i mean that's just where we are right now and it's you know it's a broken record and everyone's heard it a thousand times we can move the ball at will we can get into the red zone multiple times we can't score or we find ways not to put up points And to me, that's the progress I want to see in the last four games. I want to see points on the board. And uh, I think if we do that, we're going to win games. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess in your hypothesis there, Honk, if if we went 0-4 but scored 30 points in each one of the last four games, Mm -hmm. that means the defense or special teams suddenly completely let down, right, Boomer? I mean, if we were giving up 30 points to our next four opponents – um, that's that's not a good side, and that would include Wisconsin and Iowa, that which do not have exactly dynamic offenses. Yeah, that is the only depressing part of that. But granted, <laughs> his uh, tweet didn't posit that we couldn't win these four games. It's just outside right. of winning the four. What would you? What would be a mark of progress? That would be one definitely. Because if you win these games thirteen to ten or whatever, then well, 
you're probably still having those same offensive struggles um, and special teams for that matter. Cause if you're getting in the red zone and you're at least scoring field goals, at least you're getting something. We're barely doing that half the time we get down there. So yeah, hockey's right on that end of it, that if you can start churning out those points, that by itself means we've solved a lot of issues we've had, whether it's, you know, the kicking game has gotten better or your play selection in the red zone. I mean, it seems like a couple of weeks ago was the first time we remembered we had a tight end we could throw to, you know, for a touchdown. It's, hey, why don't we try a little more of that, you know, when we're down there, kind of loosen things up a little. We, we run a lot in the red zone, and as we've seen, it doesn't work particularly that well. So, you know, that I think the, the point scoring would actually kind of be an overall proof that we're doing a lot of things better. So it's not just the scoring, but a lot of the facets of the game are coming together. You're not getting those goofy penalties down there that push you out of easier touchdown yeah. range, all sorts of things. My answer would always be um, yards per point. And actually in the article, uh, Derek references how Nebraska needs 15.5 yards, 15 and a half yards to score a single point, which is 98th nationally. All right. I mean, that's even more damning than the 50 uh, 50th ranking for scoring offense, right? Honk. I mean, 50th is not great, but it's, that's okay. Right. You're in the top kind of third-ish almost, right? But 98, that's that's not good. And that's exactly why, we, I mean, all, all those stats lead to that really poor yards per point, you know, ranking. Rob, if you were um, heading up the uh, Cast Twitter account and responded to Derek's question, how would you have answered it? Well, I like the idea of scoring, but the only <laughs> way nice we're going to score, the only way we're going to score, um, I'm hoping – I mean, the team only had two practices last week. So I'm hoping that Frost and company took that time to go through and analyze what's been working for them because this team has all the talent in the world on the offensive side of the ball. But the play calling has just been so suspicious uh, the last couple of weeks uh, in these games. It just it blows my mind. And Honky and I, in our text thread, we go back and forth about it uh, like all the time about just like the amount of options. Around. I mean, they had 33 passes and 31 runs. In, in the game against Minnesota, which makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever because the strength of this team is that it should be the running game complemented by the ability to put the ball downfield when needed. All right. Everybody knows that, but it's like, how many times have we questioned ourselves, like looking at the game and thinking like, why are they calling that play there? So hopefully sure. what I would like to see and what I consider success is seeing some kind of sequence of play calling that makes sense for the talent that this team has, because if they could just put it together and put these plays together in a way that makes sense, they're going to score a ton of points. Yeah. Matt Lubick has talked about that, that they want to get started faster in these games and that he thinks that they have this series of plays that are their best plays to call, but that they wait too long to get to those plays, whatever they are, that That they wait too long. The case at times. Yeah, and I, I mean, I listen to that. I go, that's great. Do it. I mean, that's it. the, it's the right. offensive coordinator talking about how they need to stop waiting so long to play their best plays. Well, it's yeah. out of his hands, Matt. What can you do? What well, can it's, you do? it's like it's kind of like that old Rocky and Bullwinkle where you're just waiting for him to go. And now here's something you'll really like, <laughs> you know, and pull it out of the hat or something. It's like, no, come on. They should have their 15 plays scripted. Right sure. off the top of their head every single time, right? Isn't that? Well, I think they do, Rob. It's well, the, the, that's actually... the problem is that they're not scripting the good plays. Yes, that's the problem. That's correct. <laughs> and I think some of it is the the play calling, and then some Setting of it, it was up, what yeah. we, we talked about a week ago too. And I think Boomer brought it up a couple times was just the rotation of players too. I mean, mm-hmm. if I said who's the most dynamic big play uh, receiver on the team, Betts might be the answer even right. though he gets the ball about as little as anyone. And then a guy like Torre, who is your most consistent receiver, just was taken completely out of the game, it seemed like, a week ago. Austin Allen had a huge game, which was great, but he's not a, a secret. Where's he been a lot of the rest of the season? I know actually his stats are quite impressive at this yeah. point, but there are games, like two or three games ago, he had zero catches in it. You know, it's just it's that kind of inconsistency in the rotation in one game this guy's your running back, but then the next game, you know, where's step gone, all those kinds of things. It just, it leaves you at this point where we're the number 12 total offense in the country. We're the number two in the conference, only behind Ohio state. Who's number one nationally. There's so many positive things, so many good things, so many areas of progress. And Frost talked about that again today, progress. And there is, but when is it going to come together? Because until it does, we're just going to have a lot of nice stats to talk about that still lead to a lot of L's and a lot of 21 point games. And 
we need more points than that. Uh, Boomer, yeah. I think 13 might be enough to – or 14 will be enough against Purdue, right? Because all they do is score 13. Yeah, yeah. We brought that up on Twitter after the uh, <laughs> the spread was announced at uh, Nebraska minus seven, and people thought that was that, – that seems huge. And, well, if you just go look at basically every game Purdue's played for the last, you know, five or six weeks outside of Iowa, they score 13 points. Yep. That's right. If you figure but, we we're going to need, we're in great shape. Yeah. But we're going to need more than that 14 for the other three. At, yeah. I think at least. Yeah, I think and, yeah, against Ohio State that might we might want to try a little more than 14. <laughs> I've made the case that we need to win by 9. So, yes. uh, you know my prediction for uh the Saturday's game is 22 to 13. There you obviously. go. I mean, so then take the under, right? Because 57. Oh, well, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till you guys get to the betcast <laughs> and do all that. Uh, That's Honky's well, lock of the week. <laughs> before we turn our attention to Purdue, I think, you know, the Minnesota loss was too close last week, so we didn't really break it down much. But, I mean, a lot has been made of Adrian being banged up in that game and, you know, how they, they still ran him the first play, and then he really didn't run that much afterwards. Do you feel like, uh, him being banged up there, Honk, impacted his his throwing as well. I mean, obviously, he felt like he was off, especially in the first half. I guess maybe it's his right ankle or, or leg or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact diagnosis. But, um, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, you know, how big of an impact that had on, on both, not just his running, but his throwing. You know, I, that's a good question. I mean, he sailed a few balls, and potentially yeah. that could play a role in that. I think Rob brought up a good point. I didn't even – I can't believe I didn't look into this, but I think I was so frustrated at the Minnesota game. I didn't bother, but I didn't even look at the run pass ratio. And I think the biggest effect that his yeah. lack of mobility ended up having was probably in that run pass ratio uh, numbers to begin with. The fact that we threw the ball more than we ran. Is that what you said, Rob? Was it 33, 31? 33, 31. I mean, well, there you go. I, well, again, you, I can't believe I didn't most, look that up. Do you want the most prominent stat there to, to answer your question too? Sure. Uh, Martinez it. had eight rushes. In the game, yeah, negative seventeen. For negative yards. seventeen yards. Yep. All right, yep. and and I don't know how many times, and I don't think I think I could say that's the only time in Martinez's career that he hasn't rushed for positive yardage. So, mm. with that, nah, I mean, we, we could probably could find one. I feel like we could maybe like find one, but I, not how about Ohio. nothing that I can think of off the top he, of my he, head. Yeah, now, negative eleven of those seventeen yards came on one sack, although that's not even <laughs> close to his biggest ever sack. I think he had one against Ohio State. Was it a couple of years ago? That was like twenty-five yards. I think it, it was, was Ohio State. It, it was, yeah. 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 Another stat there that I think stood out that I've heard mentioned is. Even though we threw a lot, Rob, to your point, we really didn't try to rip the top off of that defense that much, right? We only really had one really deep ball to mm-hmm. – um, it was Falk, I think, maybe if I remember right. You know, we didn't challenge that secondary, which is probably the most suspect part of the Minnesota defense with anything deep, right? And, I mean, to your point of, like, you know, getting bets the ball uh, in different situations, Honk, I mean, the, usually it's a deep ball. It's usually Ture, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's not Martin who's supposed to be one of the fastest guys or or Betts who just looks like the fastest guy. That seems odd to me. I don't get it. And the numbers were flipped, too. And I think maybe the, the pass you're thinking of, was it the one to, to Allen for, like, 40 yards or something like that? Or it could have well, been. Some of that was run after catch. Though, yeah, it? but then, like, Betts had one for 27, and Manning had one for 22. Yeah, but that's um, not, like, ripping the top off. No, you're deep, right. And you know? But those are the longest passes. Uh, the Falk had his longest. He didn't 16. catch it, is my point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, Falk didn't catch the, the Yeah, ball he didn't catch it. Okay. Him. Yeah, because yeah, Betts was the fly sweep that they it was a forward pass, but well, not really. A, Torre not really had a one catch for one yard. I mean, what's up with that? How do you not design a play to get the guy that ball? I mean, he is your mm. most dynamic playmaker on the field, at least you know, you know, when it comes as far as speed goes and the ability to create in space once he catches the ball and one catch for one yard. If you were limited on a play, and I'll ask this to Dave here, if you're limited on a play, you can only put three wide receivers out there and you want your three most dynamic receivers. Doesn't matter. I don't care if they're tall, short, whatever. Uh, who would you put out there? Yeah, I'd probably put Ture, Betts, and Manning. Yeah. And if you look at the guys that are getting the most, if Falk a lot of times gets uh, as many attempts thrown his way as anyone. I, I haven't seen Martin even Mm-mm. the last few weeks as he's you know healthy again, but I'm not seeing him out there uh, a lot. And he's certainly not, you know, the deep threat that he was against Illinois the first week, but those are the three that I guess I would put out there on a routine basis. And yeah, I don't know. I, the rotation is the thing that's most frustrating to me. And that's specifically at the wide receiver and the running back spot. 
And I and that's mm-hmm. I like Ramir, by the way. I, I have no issue with the development of what we're seeing out of Ramir as the season's gone on. I think he I think he's earned a starting spot. I really do. But I just I can't believe that we haven't found ways to get other running backs involved more often. Yeah, earlier, not waiting till fourth down to get Yant in there, not yeah. ever being able to line up in an I formation and have a fullback or or anything. You know, watching Cleveland out there and they have Andy Janovich and Johnny Stanton, two former Huskers at, at fullback, <laughs> right. and Stanton catches a touchdown pass, even right. The fact that I just we can't even see that. And I've heard some people say, well, that takes reps to to get Jurgens oh, uh, to, to do a, yeah, under center to be able to snap to a quarterback. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? that we can't get under center because it takes reps in practice to, to snap. <laughs> Do these guys have any expectations of ever playing in the pros? Does Jurgens yeah, want to be an I NFL know. center? Is that going to be his tape that he can't ever show that he can't snap under center or we're going to have to wait till he gets to a combine to do it. Are you kidding me? I mean, that that's ridiculous. That's a basics of football. You know, we're going to play a team this week, Purdue, that had negative 13 rushing yards against Whiskey. They're not going to win football games if you hold them to negative 13 rushing yards. In fact, most teams in the Big Ten aren't. But you're going to win games if you can get under center, if you can put a fullback on the field. I know that it's still, still blasphemy to some people. We just had National Tight Ends Day the other day. I, I heard uh, 8,000 <laughs> times on the NFL. National fullbacks, they, you know, deserve some recognition too. And when you need to get a yard, when you're in the red zone, that last yard is really tough. That goal line where teams condense and to be able to line up and just exert yourself and get one yard. Like we work so hard. We make this so complicated. Yeah. 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 Get yeah. under center and be able to get a yard with, and I've said this too, you've got step and you've got, you have 500 pounds of backs. If you wanted to get into an eye formation, maybe the bye week Fingers across. Maybe the maybe bye could week figured out a way to put 500 pounds in the backfield. <laughs> I don't know. Boomer, maybe we need to talk to some uh, some unicameral uh, legislators. You can do a uh, some sort of bill to um, have a state holiday for fullbacks of some sort. I'm sure it could be done, if, especially if they get a day off for it. Um, they'll be all over that. <laughs> Just the fullbacks or the or the unicameral. well, of course, you know, state employees will get that day off. You have to, you got to celebrate. Of course, of course. Yeah. that's right. Uh, well, let's turn our attention to Purdue a little bit, uh, Honk. Uh, what do you think they're going to have to do to uh, beat the Boilermakers here on uh, Saturday afternoon? I think it starts with the way you do against any team is make them one dimensional. I'm not saying this is an impossible or a difficult thing to do, but we need to shut down their run game. We have to force them to pass the ball. Now that doesn't mean just making them pass the ball all of a sudden now we've won obviously they have some great receivers bell a few other guys they throw the ball around but at least we have to take that first part of the game away and like i said wisconsin last week held negative 13 yards rushing you know i don't know if we're going to do that but we need to uh, at least eliminate that force them into a, a one-dimensional game yeah i mean absolutely we were pretty successful that last year right boomer i mean Besides uh, David Bell having that one catch where I think it was just Muke and Williams like collided or it was CTV and mm-hmm. let Bell have a big, big catch. Um, we pretty much limited Bell, generally speaking. Uh, they didn't have any sort of run game. And I mean, that, that turned out pretty well. So is that the formula? Yeah, it, it has been for Purdue. Even last year, you know, we started off, I think it was like 17 to three at the end of the first quarter. So that's just a good example of you know, how important a good start is for Nebraska, you know, where you're not having to chase a team and you're setting the tone for it and produce the kind of team you want to do that with. Like I said, they're good for about 13 points a game. If you get them into a scenario where they can't run the ball because they haven't been great at it this year and you're forcing them to pass, that's what you want. And, you know, defensively, they're going to be solid, but I don't think it's going to be enough to, to manage a game. Wisconsin, you know, really kind of shut them down, especially in the second half. They were able to generate, I think it was five turnovers with Purdue in that game. So, they, they can have some turnover uh, proneness to them. So it's a good chance for Nebraska to kind of turn around and get things right. Yeah. You know, Rob, I mean, the only concern I have from that point total, Boomer's made a good point. They're only going to score 13, but that's on their offense, it feels like. I feel like they might have one of the best players on, on the field on the defensive side with George Kaloftis. Kaloftis, I can't always get his name quite right. Um, five-star DN guy who was a – Hometown kid decided to, to go to Purdue, turned down a lot of other good offers. He's going to be in the NFL very soon, and um, he could wreak havoc with our tackles, right? And so I could see a scoop and score or something like that, giving them the extra seven points to get them to 20. Well, I will say this is that Purdue is pretty banged up. Um, there's been a lot yeah, of injuries on their team, especially on the D-line. 
on the Nebraska side of things, you know, we do want to make them one dimensional, but our secondary is also a little bit, we're going to be without Deontay Williams this week. Yeah. Right. You know, our leading, our leading, uh, well, he's almost our leading receiver with four interceptions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what I almost just said. So, you know, it'll be interesting because while the Huskers are coming back a lot healthier because of the bye week Purdue is beat up. So hopefully we're going to just be able to turn the table on them and control, like you said, coming out, scoring a lot of points to, and just being up early on this game, because this would be the perfect game to do that. If it makes anyone feel better, I won't be watching the game. I'll be up in the mountains hunting. So excellent. If anything like that happens against like it did against Northwestern, this is going to be a blowout. <laughs> yeah. That all does right. make me feel better. Yeah, no. it does. It really does. Uh, <clears throat> it's good to hear. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, anything else we want to chat about with honky before we turn our attention to some, uh, some gambling? No honky have a uh, parting shot of sorts. A couple of them. One of them is Brett Bielema. Congrats to Illinois there on the, the big win against Penn State. Do you guys see the unbalanced lines that he was putting out there? Like nine guys out there. Right? Nine guys. Yeah, nine. I mean, there's there's got to be like a Ferris Bueller, you know, sound there. Nine guys that, on the line of scrimmage. So not even an eye formation. It just, but it brought back horrible memories of the 2012 uh, championship game against Wisconsin because they did the same thing basically against us then. I want to say congrats to a Husker rifle. They beat army again. I, I I'm just not sure what to think about that, but uh, boomer, do, do you have any thoughts on rifle beating army? Well, at least one will be safe in this state, you know, when the invasion comes. <laughs> so <It's> true. <laughs> While I'm talking about other sports, other than the, the football, basketball, baseball that we usually talk about, I, I want to mention that there's the red carpet experience. Uh, they announced today is going to be available for two volleyball matches now as well. Friday, November 12th versus Maryland and Saturday, November 20th versus Rutgers. So I think that's great, by the way, that the, the red carpet experience goes beyond just football. And that's a very good move there by Trev and the, the athletic department. And then last but not least, Skoda's, our, our beloved Skoda's boomer. Uh, they lost 35 nothing last week. Their first loss on the season, they lost to Crosstown rival Lakeview. And so while that, yeah. that hurts, uh, we still end the season eight and one. And regardless, all three schools from Columbus, from the hometown of the, of the Redcast, all three schools from Columbus have made the high school playoffs in the same season for only the third time ever. Congratulations to the, the Shamrocks, the Vikings, and the Discoverers. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks, Hawk. We appreciate it. Um, you want to listen to the show, you'll pick up some uh, great betting tips. All right, buddy. Will do. All Later, right. guys. Thanks. Hawk, out. Welcome to the Go Big Betcast with Dave, Boomer, and Rob. All right, guys, let's get our best bets of the week out there with the Betcast, and uh, we'll go through the Big Ten games first and uh, see what else is on the board that we want to take a shot at. Uh, there is some excellent Big Ten games out there, um, but I don't know if the first one of the day is is one of those. We have Rutgers three and four. Uh, going into Champaign against uh, Illinois, now three and five with a big victory over Penn State. I believe Rutgers had a bye week last week, right, guys? Is that correct? So uh, they might be fresh and trying to get back onto their track of bowl eligibility. Um, tight game here, tight game. Rutgers favored by one and a half on the road, over under at 42 and a half. It's time of year, guys, where the over under on Big Ten games just starts to go lower and lower and lower. And here's a 42 and a half. Uh, Rob, um, Rutgers, what do you think, man? Oh, boy, I was really hoping you'd pass me on this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, this game's essentially a pick em. I, I was trying really to go is. through here and find some really good, like, you know, stats. But these teams are about as evenly matched as they come outside of, um, you know, yards allowed. Illinois allows more yards than Rutgers. Um, I mean, it's a point and a half spread. It's like, and what's the weather going to be like in Illinois? It's been kind of a warm, it's been kind of a warm fall. Boomer can look that up, but I'm to your point, Rob. I mean, you're at one and a half. You're essentially saying, you know, the money line is about the same practically. Yeah, it is. And do you trust Rutgers who I I thought, you know, started off three and oh, is that right? And they've lost, you know, what straight. You know what? Here, here's how I'll look at this one. I'm going to take Rutgers because Illinois yeah. is coming off a tough game against Penn State. They went to nine overtimes, <laughs> and, which, which by the way, um, the NCAA really needs to take a look at that overtime rule. Um, yeah, going going into next year because that was probably some of the 
dumbest football I've ever seen. Like I wasn't even aware that that's how it was played. Cause I hadn't seen any overtimes go that far yet this year, personally. Right. Very few have, I believe. Okay. If the, anybody from the NCAA is listening and intern, anyone at all, even if you're like work for like the volleyball segment of the NCAA, <laughs> please go into the office offices, Mark Emmert and let him know he's an idiot. All right. Because, and not just for that, that overtime rule is stupid, stupid. Um, sorry. I, I'll stop that. Illinois. Um, like I said, they're, they're going to be tired. I, I know they're at home. Um, Rutgers coming off a bye week, Illinois, a tough, you know, a tough win against Penn State on that, but I think that's going to be about it. They're right taking there. Rutgers. I, I will take. Bye. I will take Rutgers because of the bye. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's my reasoning. Boomer. Man, this game is going to be just glorious in all of its Big Tenness, isn't it? It's uh, it's ugly. Yeah. Uh, whether you're looking for the low fifties around kickoff there in Champaign, if that changes your uh, prediction at all, there, Rob, mm. I, I kind of doubt it. Oh, Man, I. Yeah, I, this is tough. I mean, Illinois is probably going to have, you know, Sitkowski is probably – he's out for this game, I imagine. Uh, I you think know, so, yeah. Yeah, an arm injury. So, you don't get that good Rutgers rematch with him um, in the grudge match. And then, I mean, Rutgers is good. They're kind of like Purdue. They're good for about 13 points a game. That was that, that had been their trend until somehow they only managed to score seven against Northwestern, which still amazes me. Um yeah, if you if you want to bet this, just flip a coin and go with that. You might just look at taking the under, just because this is going to probably be a really low scoring affair, and get some caffeine is, if you want to stay up for it. Yeah. What does Rutgers' rush defense look like? Ooh, I don't, I'll have to look that up here. That would be my that, yeah. one question because we know Illinois is going to run the ball because your point Sikowski's out. They don't really trust Peters that much. They allow 149 yards a game. Yeah, it's not bad actually. No, it's really not. Yeah. I mean, so Illinois I only allows 150, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, right. Illinois is going to try to run the ball as much as possible. Here you go. Illinois allows like 40 more yards on offense a game, and that's going to be your point and a half difference. It's going to be a field goal. How's that? All right. We're just going to take Rutgers and run with it. That's yeah. enough about that game. Okay. Um, let's see <laughs> if this one's any better. Oh, no. Wait a second. It's uh, Indiana, two and five on the year. Going in to uh, College Park, Maryland, uh, Terps are four and three. They were four and zero. Oh. Um, looking here at Maryland being a five point favorite over under at fifty and a half. Uh, Boomer. Terps, yeah, these Rangers. are a battle of two teams that I think expected more out of themselves this year. Sure. Um, I think Indiana's pretty well going to throw in the towel here. He, they just coming off a walloping by Ohio State. They're, you know, they have Michigan next week. They've got nothing left to look forward to. I think they're going to kind of cash it in this year. And Maryland still is an outside shot, I guess, at making a bowl. So they'll probably still have a little fight left in them. So I, I think you could bet Maryland on this one if, if you're really excited and slapping some money down on some turtles. So yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the 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 wise pick, Rob. Um, well, I'm looking at um, ESPN right now with all these stats, looking at it, and they actually took the red out of um, anywhere around the um, Indiana logo. And so I'm going to just say that even ESPN is waving the white flag for Indiana <laughs> on this one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I mean, Maryland, Maryland – never has anything to play for. So why, you know, why would this be any different as well? But uh, at least they're at home, right? And they're a five-point I mean, Maryland favorite. needs to win this one if they think they can get to a bowl. I would yeah, and I mean, and yeah, you know, and, and I mean, they're pretty much dominating in every category of, you know, offense and defense on this side too. So there you go. I mean. Okay, we're taking the chirps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's get into uh, some of the funner games of the week um a uh, still an early kickoff here we have iowa going to madison to take on whiskey uh we've got uh wisconsin four and three on the year being a three point favorite at home against the six and one hawks over under at a whopping 36 and a half rob are you jumping all over this under i am um <laughs> I, I 36 and a half 
um yeah it's gonna be one of those like uh but oh god now i have to do math in my head to think about it. it's gonna be like 17 to 14 barn burner right like, yeah something I think like that yeah yeah um i you know it's it's funny because um i didn't get a chance to come on and gloat last week after iowa lost um because i was saying you know hey they're just one bad defensive game away from you know and, and like no turnovers away from losing a game and i did say it wasn't going to happen against purdue and i was wrong but at least like but you, you were know, right is what but i was in your wrongness was also, you were right is in my wrongness i was right based off of just how they lost um and quite frankly i you know i i mean iowa is so turnover dependent their offense is so turnover dependent you know from their defense so um and wisconsin i mean for all that they are, you know, they, they are, I've always said it, they're good at ball control. So, you know, this is going to, I mean, you know, so boomer, I mean, the question here is, is can Iowa, well, I'll take that back. Can Wisconsin actually run the ball versus Iowa? Uh, Because if Wisconsin can run the ball, they won't have to throw the ball with Mertz. I think Mertz threw the ball eight times versus Purdue. Yeah, they've given up passing the ball these last couple games. And so if Wisconsin can run, they are going to win this game because then Mertz won't put the ball in jeopardy. But if Iowa can stop Wisconsin running the ball, Mertz will have to throw, and then that pick six will happen, and Iowa will win. I think that's the basis. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I, you're probably going to see, you know, Kai Conkey saying you're going to see like nine guys on the line for Wisconsin, and probably <laughs> they'll find a way to put 14 guys in the box if you're Iowa, and just that's what it's going to be. It's it's going to be a classic Big Ten slobber knocker. Um, yeah, Mertz just doesn't throw the ball anymore, and considering how he looked to start the year, I don't blame them for not having him pass. Um, yeah. But Wisconsin does seem to have kind of found a little something on the run game. They were able to run the ball with some success on Purdue. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in Illinois, they ran for over 300 and some yards in that game. So they're kind of getting a little bit of a stride here against some, you know, competition that isn't great. But, hey, that's what you got to do in these situations. So, yeah, it, it, you're right, Dave. It just can Iowa stop a run and force Wisconsin to do something they're uncomfortable with? And can Iowa do anything themselves on offense? I don't know. I'm not convinced they can yet. So, I would almost be inclined to take Wisconsin in this. Yeah, Wisconsin averages over 200 yards of rushing a game. I mean, even though Iowa only allows like 90, but Wisconsin only allows like 53 or 52 yards a game or something. Yeah, it's crazy you know, how little people so, run I mean, on them. Yeah, it's yeah and and to me, it's not crazy because they've always been that kind of defense, right? Like that's where they – that's their strength. Better than even defense. typical It Wisconsin. is, it is, but it, it never surprises me is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, you know, and Iowa only rushes for like 116 yards a game. Again, their offense is horrible. Their offense is boring, bland, and uh, they are bad defensive – another bad defensive performance away from a loss. And I think that's going to happen this weekend. They're going to take their second loss this week. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I think both of you guys are taking, taking Bucky. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Iowa one more time. I cannot trust Graham Mertz when it counts. And so I'm predicting Iowa somehow will create a turnover that that's how they're going to win the game. So we'll see, but um, uh, this should be, should be a, an interesting game. I don't know if it's going to be an entertaining game, but it should be interesting. Uh, train wrecks are entertaining sometimes, Dave. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. Well, one that I sh- could be both, I think, uh, is uh, – no, it, it, actually, I'll, I'll pause for one second. Boomer, Iowa and Wisconsin plays for Paul Bunyan's – do they play for something? What yeah, well, let me find out here. I don't know if they do off the top of my head. As you're looking that up, um, you can also look up Michigan and Michigan State plays for something as well, right? That has to be some sort of – Michigan trophy game of some sort, right? In state bragging rights. Yeah, that's the trophy. Paul Bunyan trophy is Michigan, Michigan State. That's the Paul Bunyan trophy. Oh, right? Iowa Wisconsin is the Heartland trophy. That's what oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, the Heartland trophy. I knew it was something silly. Yeah. No one cares about that. No, it's All not right. like the so Heroes the Paul trophy. Nobody cares. Bunyan trophy, though. That's that's like a real, real trophy game. So we have sixth ranked Michigan versus eighth ranked Michigan State in East Lansing. Uh, Michigan coming in as a four and a half point favorite over under at 51. Um, I, I really don't know where I'm going to go with this one. I'll start with Boomer. Yeah, I don't either, but I'm, I'm excited to watch this game. Uh, these are two teams that, you know, I think everyone 
is interested to see how they perform against, you know, top talent. That's been kind of one of the knocks on both of them is that everyone says, well, they haven't played anybody. Well, outside of Nebraska, of course. But, uh, you know, finally a good chance for both these teams to show if they are serious contenders for the Big Ten East and possibly even a playoff. So I, I want to see what both of them can do. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game, to the actual spread and, and over-under. Oh, man. That's a good spread. I'd probably bet Michigan if I was going to, but I don't have a ton of faith in that one. So I, considering how many weird ways they've had to lose this game in the past, you know, it's – yeah. It'll be interesting. So I, I don't know if I would bet it, but if I was, I, I'd probably take Michigan. So Rob, you know, we lost to both of these teams by three mm-hmm. uh, Michigan state in overtime in East Lansing, Michigan at home. I don't know if that tells you anything. Uh, I might, might trust Michigan state's running back Kenneth Walker more than I do with Michigan's, but I don't, I don't know about, um, Peyton Thorne in a big time uh, game like this quite yet. I also don't know if I trust Michigan to beat Michigan state in a year. They should beat them because that's just how Harbaugh is. What are you thinking? Well, it's not Ohio state. So that's, that's a good thing for Harbaugh. Right? Yeah, but he's lost to Sparty um, and before. He has, and he has, but including last so, year, I believe. So I'm, I'm trying to, in my head, they're so evenly matched. Like on one side, right? Like Michigan state's a better passing team, but, Michigan is a better rushing team, right? But on the other hand, where Michigan State gives up most of their yardage is through the air. And it would be interesting to see how Harbaugh coaches that weakness, air quote, for against Michigan State, right? Like, are they going to try? Because everywhere, everywhere. They, these teams are like evenly matched, right? It's like yards passing for Michigan is like 189 yards rushing, 100, 250 yards a game, right? Where Michigan State is 250 yards rushing with 200 yards, with or 200 yard, 250 yards passing with with uh, you know 200 yards rushing, right? So it's like they're so balanced on so many things, and even with the yards they give up, but the one stat that really stands out is 285 yards a game through the air for Michigan State is what they give up. Yeah, that's a that's a lot, you know, and the, and from what we saw for this Michigan team, when, you know, what, what how did they beat Nebraska? They drove down the field through the air and, you know, they ran the ball. Against the so they, they did. They did but I'm, talking, that game, I'm, I'm yeah. talking that last I'm talking that last drive where they came back, you know, because we did have the lead at one point there, which I don't yeah. want to talk about anymore. Um, but that's where. And so they have that ability and it would so it'll be interesting to see how Harbaugh coaches against that that one weakness. Um, that being said, um, I would like to see Michigan beat Michigan state, Ohio state beat Michigan and see how that all plays out for that. Uh, you know, sure. Title. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, um, I guess I, you know, I, I, I think these two teams are really, really evenly matched. I think Michigan might win it, but I, I think Michigan state is going to keep it close. So I think I might take the four and a half and, and go with that. That's, that's yeah. That's field goal good. sounds about right. Like at the end of the game yeah. or something to win. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, our dear friends in Minnesota are heading to Evanston, uh, to take on Northwestern, uh, Minnesota, seven and a half point favorites over under at 43 Rob, um, Northwestern's hit and miss. They are better at home because that long grass and they slow down Minnesota and, uh, keep within seven. The over under is 43. (laughs) Um, yeah, first of all, take the under on this one for sure. Um, this game, but I think Minnesota wins this one, um, pretty easily too. Northwestern just is not a good team. Um, and you know, I think they've Minnes- gotten better over sure. the last few weeks. Okay. Sure. Especially defensively. They held Michigan in check for a half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't win, you don't win games by winning the first half. Dave, Fair enough. Know. Boomer. Yeah. Yeah, we don't always win them if you win the second half either, sadly. But uh, yeah, that notwithstanding. Um, yeah, this is another tough one to kind of get a great read on. Did this open at minus seven or seven and a half? That seems like a lot of points. Uh, uh, I don't have the history. I'd guess that it's actually gotten bigger. Yeah, I would think so, man. If you could have got in front or a touchdown, I'd be more inclined to go with the Gophers. Uh, you know, they do tend like 
said weeks in and weeks out, they tend to just mm-hmm. kind of play around the level of whoever they're playing at. So you always have to be careful. They come out there and just kind of flop around with, you know, Northwestern for a while. Uh, Minnesota should win, you know, Northwestern really can't turn out a lot of points. So unless they, unless, you know, Minnesota's offense goes into a hole like it did against, you know, Bowling Green, they should eventually be able to pull away. So, yeah, I, I don't think I would bet it at a touchdown, you know, especially if seven and a half is, you know, I yeah, would it opened at take seven. That. Yeah. Boomer. Open at seven. Opened at seven. Okay. Yeah. If you could get it under seven, I'd be a little more inclined, but yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see it go, you know, go down the rest of the week, but if you do, you might snap it, but. Sure, sure. Northwestern's yeah. been a little bit better with Holinsky, um, kind of establishing himself as the quarterback too. So we'll see, but I, I would think Minnesota should win the game. All right. Uh, before we turn our attention to uh, Purdue versus Nebraska, the um, evening game in the Big Ten slate is Penn State coming off that stinging loss to Illinois. Uh, now only ranked 20th in the country, five and two overall. Uh, taking on the Buckeyes in Columbus, Ohio State ranked fifth, six and one. And a huge favor at home, 18 and a half points over and under at 60, 18 and a half. Penn State has to take offense to that, right, Boomer? My goodness. Yeah, you would think so. But, man, when you just come off just managing 18 against Illinois of nine overtimes, boy, I don't know how much confidence you can have in yourself. I mean, that's a – like you said, that's a stinging loss. And, man, Ohio State seems to be clicking on offense. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I – I, I just say it would not surprise me if they came out and won that game by 20, 21 points, something like that. I mean, yeah, they've got, you know, Ohio State's wants, wants to prove they belong in, in the playoffs and just kind of eliminate any doubt. And this is the first step on that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little worried if I was Penn State right now, just having a hangover from that Illinois loss and just kind of limping into Ohio State and possibly getting clobbered early. So. Sure. I mean, Clifford still doesn't look healthy. Um, and Penn State offensively um, doesn't look good, and it's going to be tough, even with a good defense, to keep Ohio State down for full 60 minutes. Right, Rob? Oh, absolutely. I I mean, there's no sugarcoat in this one. I mean, there's not even a person in Vegas that agrees that Penn State has a has a fighting chance in this game, really. I mean, the, the money line's at minus 1,000 for Ohio State and plus 650 for Penn State. I mean, it's that's that's how little confident. The over-under 60, and the signature, Rob, Ohio State might just cover that on their own. <laughs> They're going to try. I'll yeah, tell they you sure that. Are. They are. They're going to try to put one on Penn State, and Penn State's just coming down off a huge letdown. I mean, what Penn State was in the top four like two weeks ago, weren't they? And now all of a sudden yeah, they're number twenty in the country. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean that's that's a team that I think you know without I mean, one... I mean Clifford healthy they probably beat Iowa, and um, but I mean maybe him healthy they might have romped Illinois, but it's just not the case, and they look look like they're in trouble. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, and they're lucky to Penn state because even after coming off this walloping Ohio state, at least they don't have to play Nebraska this year because after last year's whooping we put on them. Yeah. Right. Rob. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get to Nebraska, a uh, home favorite. Always scary to see that number, the way this team plays uh, Nebraska, a seven and a half point favorite over Purdue, over under at 50. Purdue comes in at four and three, smarting from their loss against Wisconsin, Nebraska, three and five, uh, but five and three versus the spread. Boomer, um, this number has moved a bit. I think it started around six or six and a half and has moved all the way to seven and a half now. Um, You know, the, the Vegas and all the computers still like Nebraska, despite the three and five record. What do you think? Yeah, they do. And, you know, I, I don't bet Nebraska. I learned my lesson, you know, last last Minnesota game. But I would That's be surprised, right. yeah, if they somehow lost this. I, I just think too many things line up in Nebraska's favor just as far as just what we know about football, you know, outside of the weird intangibles and the football gods just hating us. You know, Purdue just do. doesn't score a lot of points against anybody doesn't matter who you know they're average, like i said it's 13 points a game that's what you count on and you can draw everything else from there nebraska you know where our offense isn't turning like it should but we should be able to hit 20 points pretty easily pretty handily in this game and i just 
don't think Purdue coming in off a disappointing performance. You know, they played Iowa and Wisconsin back to back. That's rough. You know, they've had goofy luck with injuries. I think their kicker got hurt in uh, warmups against Iowa. Wow. This last yeah, he, game, hurt, he, he hurt his ankle. He hurt yeah, his he, ankle. he tripped yeah. on a ball that Iowa kicked on their side of the field and he, he tripped over it and hurt his ankle. So it's like the most bizarre thing ever. So, so their yeah, special I, teams are a little, little banged up and not yeah. that good at any way. Yeah, they're not great at anything particular on that end of the ball. I just I just don't see how Purdue scores a lot of points in this game. So unless we turn the ball over five times or something bizarre like that, I, I think we should be able to win this game and probably cover that spread. I, I may regret saying that, but I they should. So yeah. I'd be disappointed if they did. Yeah. Though either, so. yeah. Mm. All right, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, the only the only way Nebraska loses this game is is the same way that Iowa lost to Purdue and that's that's the turnover ratio I think um, if Nebraska holds on to the ball and just performs the way that they should coming off a of bye week with Adrian Martinez supposedly at 100% now I mean every article I've read says he's at 100% right, right now yeah. you know he was he was dealing with injuries that we knew about and some that we didn't know about and you know what in all fairness you know he's been playing his butt off this year um, as much criticism as I have personally given him over the last, however, 10 years that he's been playing at Nebraska, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's playing his best football right now. And for me, it's at least been entertaining to watch. Is it frustrating at times? Sure. But at the same time, you know, he's not turning the ball over a lot. And um, that's what it's going to come down to is just time of possession for, for Nebraska. Just drive down the field, score, drive down the field, score, no empty possessions, no turnovers. Those two drives should be enough to win there, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah that's about <laughs> right. Well, we need to win by nine, so we need three drives with an extra with a with a with a um, two point conversion for Dave. That's fair. Absolutely. There are some safeties in there that works too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, safeties would be nice. That would mean that our punters are putting the ball deep into you know Purdue's own territory, and they're starting close enough to the goal line to where we can sack them in the end zone. So. All right. All right. I, 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 I'm predicting 22 to 13. It's the only way we can win. If we don't get a nine point win, um, we're going to lose like 13 to 10. So <laughs> by one God. score guaranteed, we'll lose by one score. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We got to win by more than one score though. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, turn our attention to our best bets of the week across the country. And um, Rob, do you have anything that's uh, sticking out to you here early in the week? As a matter of fact, I do. And if you call my 1-800 number right now, I will give you my best. Um, no, I heard some really interesting stuff on uh, like late night CBS uh, radio when I was driving home after my trivia night that I run every Sunday. Um, here's one for you. And, and Boomer will love this one. Clemson is 0-7 against the spread this year. So Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So if uh, you've got Clemson anywhere like on the schedule anywhere this week which i'm not even sure if they are um they, they are playing be, florida they state. are playing florida state so yeah, is take clemson. florida take florida state and the spread because you know clemson is and and it's funny because i was like am i listening to boomer right now the guys were like yeah well you know clemson can't even seem to get out of their own way they only score 14 17 points a game um you know, and it was interesting. Seven and zero, or zero and seven against the spread this year. So Clemson's almost like going to be my new um, Cincinnati and Kansas, right? And Kansas finally covered last weekend. They were yeah. they were they were um, zero and six against the spread until last week. So and Cincinnati didn't cover. So. And Cincinnati did not cover at all. Right. So um, right. I would have so. lost had I bet last week. That's right. Well, sometimes you have to go against uh, trends, Boomer. Do you like this uh, this Clemson uh, notion? They are favored by ten versus a Florida State team that I believe dropped fifty some points versus what UMass last week. So I mean, I I can see where Rob's going from here. Yeah, I'm surprised the spread was that high. I mean, I don't necessarily expect Florida State to win the game, but like we said, Clemson is what they are. Your twenty one points seems to be their ceiling, and fourteen to seventeen seems to be the trend. So. Unless you're thinking they're going to hold Florida State to one score, I think you could feel pretty confident in taking the Seminoles to at least cover, you know, 10 points in, in this game. So, and have, they could even win this outright as lousy as Clemson has been playing. So, I, yeah, I think that's a good pick. So, I'd consider the Seminoles here too. All right. All right. Rob, are you also taking the under in Iowa, Wisconsin? Is that correct? I am. 
Yeah. All right. Anything else on your board? Um, well, Kansas is back at it again. Oklahoma State's coming off a tough loss last week, um, you know, to Iowa State. Um, they're still ranked 15th in the country. They're 30 and a half point favorite over Kansas, and I'm all for it. I'm going all in on that one. It doesn't still water, and yeah. you know, Kansas um, unlikely to have two performances back to back of that nature. So that's a, that's a fair call. Yeah. All right, Boomer. Yeah, like uh, Rob said, I do like the Florida State and Clemson. Um, I was another one I saw. I think Iowa State is minus six and a half uh, with West Virginia. I think they can win that by a touchdown. You know, they came off looking pretty decent against Okie State this last week. So that would be another one I'd consider going at. And wasn't a whole lot else. It just jumped out and said, bet me this week. So there's a lot of games I want to watch, but just a lot of the, the lines and spreads, especially on a Monday, I'm, I'm not sold on yet. So catch me a little later in the week. I might have another best bet for everyone, but uh, well, literally yet. So. Well, Notre Dame's only a three and a half point favorite over uh, Brett's North Carolina this year. And, you know, I was looking at that one. Yeah. And, that is interesting. and I think, I think that'll be a good one. And the other one I like too, um, you know, while USA, while USC is only uh, um, has Nebraska record of three and four this year, um, there's still a 21 point favorite over Arizona, who's 0 and 7. And, um, Arizona is another team too that I believe, like, against the spread, they're, they're, really bad so um it'll be interesting USC's three and too. four against the spread rob so not, not oh is it that. three and four against the spread oh mm-hmm. i'm sorry I, maybe uh, maybe i was looking at a different game then but yeah um, and i, I, I was kind of contemplating the whole oklahoma texas tech game you know with oklahoma playing with fire every week they're like a 20 point favorite but then texas tech goes out and fires their head coach today so who knows what that does to the red raiders so hey yeah, is there anything like if there the anything board. like my raiders and they fire the head coach, they're going to come out with a whole new offensive scheme and just start blowing teams out. So there you go. You heard it here, folks. So I guess Rob uh, takes the Red Raiders. I was actually looking at that game as well, and I was looking at the over um, because I do think Oklahoma is going to try to bounce back. Texas Tech doesn't play defense worth a darn. Um, I mean, I, maybe that's an overstatement, but uh, I, I could see this at 66 and a half. I just see this game kind of going back and forth, kind of a classic Texas Tech-Oklahoma shootout. So I might take the over in that game. The, the other game, too, that it, that'll be interesting if you're into some like late-night football on Saturday is going to be the UCLA-Utah game where Utah is favored by six and a half, but UCLA is, you know, they're they're not a horrible team. Um, so nope, it'll be they almost had Oregon. Yeah, they almost had Oregon there. And, and uh, you know, they're at least fun offensively, like most Pac-12 games tend to be, right? So... Um, that'll be interesting. I mean, Utah, the altitude may get to UCLA a little bit, whatever coming from sea level, but, um, I think that that'll be a fun game to watch. It's only a six and a half point spread. And I actually think UCLA has a really good chance of winning that game outright. So, all right. You heard it here first UCLA money line. That's what Rob's telling you. Plus 200. That would be good money. Um, Another late night game that I've looked at Fresno state, San Diego state, San Diego state did surprise me beating air force. Um, this is a one point spread for San Diego state. I think it's a really tight game here, but I could see San Diego state winning by a field goal or so. And I would also take probably the under on this over under at 45. Um, also the mountain West. Um, I, this is producer skips, uh, pick of the week, almost guaranteed Boise state is coming to Fort Collins to take on Colorado state. Uh, Boise's only two and a half point favorites, uh, Colorado state, with bad uh, clock management and uh, a lot of other bad <laughs> elements of that program. Um, I think Boise's po- poised uh, to um, beat the Rams by more than three. Do you have any feelings on a Cincinnati two lane? It's like a, about a 24, 24 and a half point spread. Um, Cincinnati needs to start making some style points here. I think if they want to, I think, I think you know how I feel about that one, Boomer. I'm, I'm riding that Cincinnati train. Woo. Woo. Yeah, yeah especially with a game like on. Tulane, where you know played Oklahoma fairly close. So here's a chance for them to try to you know make some distinction between them and the in the Sooners. So I, I'm curious to see how they approach that game and, yep. and what they do. And I think I think Cincinnati kind of had their their one game last week where you know they seemed to struggle a little bit on offense, kind of the same way that they did against Indiana, to be honest. Um, but and and I've been like I said, I've been watching this team. They're to me, they're one of the more interesting teams out there right now because I would love to see them blow up the whole narrative and, and actually make it to the playoffs. Um, and so would they. 
um you know and um, oh really rob tell me more well you know i mean yeah right but you know like i said it's 24 and a half point spread and i would see them probably they're probably going to end up winning by at least 30 yeah i mean obviously they're gonna if they can put style points on they will this is in tulane but um i don't think that's a a tough crowd Uh, all right guys anything else on the board you're going after no all right all right well it should be a fun week of college football and i'm looking forward to hopefully a husker victory there on saturday afternoon for now let's call that a go big red cast go big red Hood at Media Production.